welcome to the Moonwise Lunar Forecast for December 21st through January 24th, 2019. I'm your host, Dorte Sophie Royal, and today we'll check in with Susan Lipschitz of Everyday Medicine Woman as she takes a look at the upcoming month and gives us her take on the astrological, lunar, and collective energies that we're experiencing. We're releasing this episode on winter solstice so that you, our dear listeners, have a chance to listen in advance of the holidays and in preparation for the new moon solar eclipse on December 25th. In this forecast, Susan shares insights about winter solstice and the energetic bridge to 2020 that we're weaving right now. She advises us to practice self-care and take time out to center on breath and feel the seasonal shifts. She provides writing prompts for this turn into a new decade, shares flower essence and stone recommendations, and then leads a beautiful guided meditation to help you tune into your inner vision. I want to take a moment to thank our new Patreon subscribers, Rebecca L. DeMarco, Jacqueline Gallo, Julia Weeman, Sarah Walker-Garrett, and Sal Feck. Thank you so much. You all help make this show possible, and I'm honored to be in community with you. If you enjoy this podcast and find value in the community, please consider subscribing at patreon.com slash moonwise, where I'm sharing a recap of the writing prompts from this episode, plus a winter solstice magic playlist and other treats. You can find that all at patreon.com slash moonwise. I also want to remind you that right now on the Moon Tent blog, there are two resources that you might enjoy. One is an article I wrote about reclaiming the Christmas tree as spiritual practice. The other is a radical beauty gift guide that features some of my favorite women-owned businesses and holistic brands who bring wisdom and integrity into the world. You can check them out at moontent.co slash blog. Okay, on with our show. Hi, Susan. Happy winter solstice. I'm so excited to speak with you today about what's happening up in the sky and with us collectively and individually. Hi, Dorote. It's always a delight to speak with you and um, share our collective experience with our community. This is a obviously a very beautiful time of year that we move into when things really slow down and we think about with winter solstice and winter, the seasonal expressions of magic, of color, of lights, and then all of the different traditions uh, that really talk about those reenactments or celebrations that all have to do with fire and fire being um, these these symbolic representation not only as, as a means of warmth and light but also the representation of miracle of lighting up our lives and in the evening of the winter solstice there was often a ritual around bonfires or fire where we would what do we give to the night might be the phrase that we speak about about releasing as we move into this direction because we remember that when we hit every four directions the solstices and the equinoxes they've always been times to take stock to see as we launch into a different season, it's not just um, a weather change, it has to do with um, our well-being and it has to do with an opportunity to say as the seasons change, we can change as well. So what do we consciously want to release? What do we consciously want to bring forth and, and with a different flavor or feature? So with that, with the winter solstice, with the longest night, 
we uh, think about how do we merge with that night and in that night, in the in the magic of the mystery of the dark and the night, what do we want to give to the night and what do we want to give to the fire and what do we want to begin to call in the light? Because after the, the shortest day, incrementally, we start, the light starts to grow. So it's also that hope for the future and um, as we speak about it. So there's many traditions that, in many ways, we make traditions um, and come together in community or with our loved ones, with our children. It's a beautiful time if you have kids in your life to bring them into these these ceremonies or create them because they're just so beautiful and sweet. And again, if we're thinking about the magic, there is no nothing that ushers us in and reminds us of magic more than seeing things through the eyes of children um, and remembering our first snowfall. Of, I know there are a few people that don't see it till they're adults, but many of us uh, remember it. It's almost always uh, a magical experience. Um, there was a wonderful um, article recently. I think both of us had uh, posted on social uh, someone who had done that, those microscopic uh, examinations of the snowflakes and how exquisite they were like cut glass and and really show the sacred geometry that was in play and the, of the crystals and thinking about how much we love crystals and how much we work with them and use them and then seeing these the this impermanence the magic of these crystals that drop and again my my point being in chicago was i have to remember this as i'm slogging through uh, the gray of uh, the remnants of snow throughout the winter uh, but i think our attitude is quite important and so that was that was really extraordinary to see how truly how exquisite and magical nature really is and our relationship to it. So this is a wonderful time to reinvigorate that for us, to see the changes. Then in the north direction, um, you know, it is about spirit. It is about our breath. It is about that interplay between the inhalation, meaning the spirit of ourselves moving into the body, the exhalation when our spirit returns out into the universal oneness and moves through mystery, through the cracks of time. So it's also felt that there is a connection through that mystical doorway of that which we cannot see, our air, breath, but the effects of that we start to open up into ancestry, ancestors, um, whatever that might mean, guides, that in the invisible realm, prophecies in whatever way we may relate to those of what has come before and what can come in the future. And it's interesting in a moment as we talk about what's going on in 2020, this is very much a year that many astrologers speak of as being a turning, you know, a a real turning of the wheel as it relates to our culture, our global astrology, ourselves as individuals. So it's a profound year uh, with what's going on with the conjugations of outer planets. So with that in mind, when we move into this, it's considered, even though it's a direction of stillness, of when we think of snow being white and everything that, you know, all the colors within black and white and reflection of other colors. But in the stillness, you know, there's the myth because even though everything's quite still in winter, it's so much is going on beneath the surface. And so it's the rivers are still alive and all that uh, went into hibernation is regenerating deep inside Mother Earth. You know, so they're in within us. We're going to be gifted with a very potent new moon on Christmas Day. Even though we always have a new moon in Capricorn, we don't always have it before the 1st of January. So what's super interesting to me is that The new moon, as we all remember, is that when we plant the seeds in the new moon, it flourishes in the full moon. In this case, 
The seeds that we plant on the 25th, 26th in this new moon starts to build through the waxing moon into 2020. So this moon arcs us into 2020. It's the bridge into 2020, which I think is is quite significant and very, very much um, beautifully uh, articulates the lunar calendar because it is 13 moons. We we're, we're really have this ability to continue a weaving from one decade to another, from one year to another. And so what we're seeding in this new moon will have an impact into the year ahead. And really, even more than that, because it's a solar eclipse. So as we move from the winter solstice and celebrate that, and then we're moving into those days before, you know, those four days before we have whoever celebrates Christmas, you know, you'd, you'd really have to be somewhere out of our anybody's like community or culture not to be impacted in one degree or another by the hectic um, and materialistic elements of this time of year. So I do think that it's important that everyone make sure that they have self-care during this time and make sure that they have time out to letting, letting our breath center, letting ourselves feel into the seasonal changes, the energetic shifts, you know, be really being conscious and really being um, mindful uh, about ourselves and our inner world, because really what that's what the North asks us to do or the winter is to go inward, just like the West did. You know, these times when we're going into the dark, we're really going into the inner self. So the more we just, it's lovely to be with everybody, but just take take a moment to, to almost feel like I'm actually feeling like I'm consciously walking towards this new moon. So it's a wane, remember it's a waning moon. So from the solstice into um, you know, the uh, Christmas day is the waning moon, the balsamic moon, the new moon. So we always remember that that is actually the most powerful part of the lunation because we're, we're, we're um, digesting everything we've been through. We're getting some wisdom about it. And then we're dissolving into the dark to start a new cycle. So that usually we do that around January 1 or the 31st, if we're talking about a year retrospectively. But energetically, it's coming early. Doesn't mean we're missing the boat. Doesn't mean we have to do it now. I'm just sort of putting that on everyone's map, if that's something they want to be mindful of, about what's happening from, you know, a lunar perspective, which I think is really, you know, significant. So as we move into this new moon, um, it's a new moon. It's in four degrees of Capricorn. And as I said, it's happening at, at the end of the day of Christmas Day or moving just after um, we hit midnight. It's a, a solar eclipse, so it's a south nodal eclipse. We've been going through, as we all know, this is, this is not a new uh, vibration for us in the sense that we all know that we've been going through this eclipse seasons and the eclipse seasons have been throughout 19 have been in Capricorn and Cancer. So that, that dual vibration around ancestry, around an outer world responsibility and an inner world um, nurturance, around a building of what is practical and sturdy and um, has a legacy and will stand and even provide for something better, a real world kind of platform um, that is in the polarity of um, sometimes childhood and child as it relates to cancer, but it is ruled by the moon. It's a deeply lunar. It has to do with our inner experience and creating a home and inner home for ourselves, a nest 
nourishment, nurturance, self-love, um, intuition, all of those things. So it's, it's um, again, the ancestry or roots of who we really are and how we create that in a meaningful way and pairing that with how do we move out in the world and make our impact in a way that we feel is karmically appropriate and almost like we're living up to our potential, as it were. So with this new moon in Capricorn, again, Capricorn is a cardinal Earth sign. We've talked a lot about Capricorn because um, Saturn is currently having a transit in Capricorn, and it's been there for about two years. Pluto's been in there for 11 years, and Jupiter just came in as of the 2nd of December for 13 months. So we've got teaching, teacher, um, structures, systems, and uh, that sense of um, platform, and we've got the upgrade, purifier, um, destructor, recreator, uh, all of those energies are sitting in Capricorn. So it's a big year, and uh, I'm finding, ironically enough, that more of astrologers who actually have sun signs in Capricorn are being more upbeat about this year. Uh, uh, me included, I think, just because we're so in, we're just so. Uh, comfortable with the seriousness and in some ways the gravitas of Capricorn that it's like, oh, more hard work? Okay. Um, Just, you know, kind of be the goat again. Uh, But, you know, hard work brings, you know, good result. Um, But it's it's going to bring a new sort of element to that. So I I will say if you um, just, you know, kind of watch and see, I know many of you love and I encourage that and I do it myself, have a lot of different teachers and um, uh, voices about astrology, whether it's predictive or it just goes into self-knowledge. Um, I would say if you start to read someone that feels a little bit more superstitious or is making you feel a little bit worried, um, you know, Saturn will do that on its own. You don't really need to be going and looking for it. So don't hesitate to say, it's not that I'm putting my head in my, the sand and pretending that I don't like it, I'm not going to listen to it. But if it's just, if it's just kind of overwhelming you, um, to realize that there are many perspectives to bring the same message. So, you know, really listen to yourself when something like that is is um, in play on our cultural meme or newosphere of life. Um, so getting back to this new moon, with it being in, in Capricorn, um, and like we say, we've been talking a lot about Saturn because it's, it's kind of a global Saturn return. Many of us know when we're um, 29, Saturn returns in our chart. And so it's a two-year kind of wake-up call and reestablishing, resetting the bones, so to speak, literally um, governs bones and skin and um, our physical structure. It, it's so for everybody because it's been in there uh, for a couple of years. Everybody's been having a lot of, uh, and we're seeing this not only individually, but we're seeing this with systems and structures, the patriarchy, um, that which got established, uh, you know, years, hundreds of years ago, is now saying it's not sustainable any longer and it's out mode. It, it's it's not what we want to embed ourselves into for something that's going to support us, and it's not evolving. So we're seeing that all over the place, um, and we're pushing it out as well, which is part of that Uranus, which is a different conversation. But you know, part of what we're seeing taking to the streets and speaking out, and all that that we're um, exploding in terms of the change that we feel. So so Pluto has that process as well, where we might say we want to control the timing of something in our lives. Saturn is about time. That's part of the Saturn return. Is it's, It is a, um, a zodiac or a cosmic timekeeper. 
uh, and that's why the karma means it's time to to live up to something or something that you have a date with, a date with your your destiny or your um, uh, making things into creating balance for for your life. Um, but with that in mind, sometimes we resist that, we turn away from it, or there is something that is um, attached to our lives or we are attached to it that is not allowing us to really move forward. And so that's where Pluto will often come in and will um, separate it for us. So it's, it's, that's sort of that process of the um, purification process, the culmination and the stripping away in many ways, uh, you know, will be a function of Pluto. Pluto's more of an underworld kind of Hades or Kali kind of energy. And it just means it's, it's an energy that is not afraid of fear. It's not, it's not, it doesn't scare that way. So it sees in the dark and it's very powerful. So we, this year, I think we will be facing our own resistance to power or our over leaning into a certain kind of, of, um, way in which we dominate others or we feel too submissive, like any of those areas um, that we see playing out. And so where we want to get to is is personal and collective empowerment. A, a strength with collaboration um, is really, I think, um, where we want to go with that. But the journey often means we have to go through both sides to really feel what it means on ourselves to claim it and to uh, work with that. So we may see a lot of themes around power and disempowerment and, and abuses of power we're seeing with government and uh, and things of that nature. So, so that's going to be a big theme with Pluto. And so Pluto does expand in that way, and Saturn contracts in the sense that Saturn wants us to become more precise. It's very slow and practical. It's a measure-by-measure measure approach. So we've got them sitting next to each other, uh, you know, in that part of our chart. So if you don't know where Capricorn is in your chart, it's a really good time to find out what house is it in, what planets, do you have any natal planets there? Um, because it'll give you a sense of what's getting activated and the complexities that's being asked um, for you in that in that area um, of your life. It really does give a good cue in and a good spotlight, which I think is important. And speaking of spotlights, right then, as I said, when we have this, this new moon, um, so the sun is there. The moon is there. Um, at the time of the new moon, um, Mercury is still in Sagittarius, so that's going to bring a little bit more of that wisdom that we've had from the last lunation. It says, I want to still talk to you about some wisdom, some perspective, some big picture kinds of things that you can bake into this new experience. And we really want that because when we start to get on this journey, it, it's we can forget the big picture and you know the bigger philosophies that really can guide us and keep us hopeful. Um, so also Jupiter has just moved into Capricorn and Jupiter um, is an expander. It's it, it's good fortune in the sense that it's a very optimistic energy. It's the biggest planet, so it can um, it, you know really make things feel like uh, kind of an adventure and a journey. And what can we learn? And how can we um, explore new? new avenues. And so I think that it helps bring more optimism to this day-to-day kind of process that Pluto and, and Saturn really are going to um, say to us, it's, it is time, the alarm clock's ringing. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. It just means like when, you know, when you 
hear it. It just is time to get up, time to wake up. And that's really what it's saying. Um, but we can't control it and we can't know. I mean, we can look at our chart and say, oh, it's going to be in this arena. But we can't interpret that much as we'd like to. Um, and as a Capricorn, I really like to know. I like to be in control. But it's not really something that we can control right now. But we can be open to collaborate. And the readiness and the willingness in this new moon, may I be willing to show up? May I be willing to um, to be flexible, to put in the, um, you know, the work on behalf of myself and whatever word you would want to use that you could uh, that would would if work as a trigger for you, you know, whatever you want to do to say that it would be a function, though, of truly bringing your your energy and your equity into something that you really feel is important in your life. There, Jupiter's kind of saying, choose wisely, and there will be a tremendous payoff. So some of it is um, is really having some strategic wisdom, and we talked about Athena last time. So call your Athena force, and just say I need you know some strategic wisdom. It does rule business, Capricorn, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily you're in business. But you, there is a business to our life. There is um, when I worked with the um, Mapuche. They would talk about that in the layers or steps to um, ascension, there was earth and then there was business. And there's a lot of coins on the regalia. And the coins are the exchange of energy as it relates to the three-dimensional world. So whether we talk about that through the, the through the, what this symbolic is in that way, or we talk about it through... Um, when we talk, you know, about the exchange or bartering or reciprocity of life, I think we're just saying that um, to try to transcend that we're not in a three-dimensional world and that we um, need to build something or we need to prosper or we need to provide isn't really, um, you know, of value to our well-being. You know, we can meditate all we want about, you know, manifestation, but it's also saying show up and you know, you will over time manifest in the area that you're showing up. I mean, obviously there are restrictions and all kinds of things we could get into, you know, but but just in terms of saying, you know, try not to leave the realm that you're in because this new moon is really asking that. So, um, and remembering that this is a south nodal, as we've been talking about this eclipse, this solar eclipse, south node's been in Capricorn. South node means it's, for lack of a better word, a demand of release. It's saying, let go of what is not serving you. That's our basic sort of way of, of looking at it. Um, but it's a willingness to say what is no longer sustainable for us. In um, one metaphor that I've been kind of relating to that really kind of made sense to me was that of when we're in inner utero, we, we, the way we get our sustenance is all that we need is in the placenta. So we're, we're, we've got our umbilical cord connected. But the minute we're born, that no longer sustains us. So we have to separate from that which that was absolutely fundamentally and essentially sustainable for us, and then we have to cut away. So that's a very primal example, but it's to say that something that we perhaps once was extremely important to us and sustained us, it could be people, places, situations, uh, ways and places we worked, um, I don't know what that is. But it's Pluto will say in South Node will say, you need to understand that it is not sustaining. As a matter of fact, it can be um, toxic or it can actually become harming. 
if we deny the fact that this is um, no longer a part, it's a non-essential part of us that used to be required for us. So if you kind of think about that or something that's equivalent to you to reflect on that, it might put things in perspective a little bit more. I think also because of Capricorn and what's being asked of us as we go through the year, we have to launch ourselves in a new way. Is there an element of our persona that we've outgrown that is actually eclipsing our light, eclipsing our growth and this potential that we have? Because with with Capricorn, and I've talked about this with Saturn, Saturn does not want us to be perfect. Saturn wants us to put in a good effort. So making mistakes, being unsure, opening yourself up to a new energy this year or going for it and whatever shame comes up, whatever old belief systems about us having to look a certain way out in the world, defending ourselves, that old masculine sort of not letting our emotions come through, not asking for help. And women are, you know, I think we've gotten very good at that as well. It's just don't expect anything. We're just going to all do it ourselves. I think if we can all look at how is that translated into a certain element of our a persona or our ego level that that we could consider to be a false ego and it's not serving us at all. So not to be self-effacing and not to be critical, just to have an honest kind of reflection around that, I think will yield quite a bit because, again, as we're resetting the bones of who we are, the structures of who we are, um, even the rebranding, so to speak, of ourselves and our world, not so much from an outer way of what people think of us, but for us to represent ourselves, to be as personally accountable and authentic and self-accepting will be the payoff and will be the ultimate kind of um, nurturing and liberating energy we can really do. So I think that that's a piece that we can embed in the change that we're making is is not only cutting off from those old elements, but also a part of ourself that, you know, and you might even ask somebody that you really know will give you honest feedback. What What is your, and this is a hard one, but what's your least favorite quality about me? Um, it's, it's really more what you'll likely hear from somebody who really loves you will be something that you're too hard on within yourself or you're too perfectionistic or you don't let people in. It's going to be some little bit of something that you've put there to, for self-protection that they're likely going to say. I mean, you know, they might say you don't put away your silverware or something, but I think it's going to be, you know, something that's really... Be nicer to yourself. Be kinder. We see it anyway. Don't pretend like we don't see what's going on. Um, and so the more we are honest uh, without being judgmental, the, the, the more advantageous and I think productive this uh, what Capricorn wants for us um, because it is practical, it's strategic, it, it is serious, um, and it is about social responsibility. There's, there's a gravitas to it, you know, because we're stabilizing. Um, as this is a four, 2020 is a, a universal four, and um, Universal Four is, it couldn't be more Capricornian. It is about balancing in four pillars uh, our lives incrementally um, with a sense of conscientious discernment, step by step. Uh, the whole year is going to be like that. That's the rhythm of the year. So actually, it probably is a good time to learn to dance because, um, you know, you have to learn the steps, something that you haven't danced before, you know, something like that, where you have to do something step by step, knitting, just something that you can't lose. You can't lose the step. You can't, you know, go over something and pretend like you know it or, you know, in that way. So a four 
I think also speaks to us about reconnecting to the four seasons, to um, the four pillars uh, that are fixed in our life and keep thinking as we go through the year, I'm reestablishing a relationship with the elements one by one, with those features, with those parts of myself. Um, you know, all those different ways that we might look at the four elements and four pillars as we're look, working with the universal four. It is a beautiful number of balance because three has a whole different dynamic. But when we think of the the square or we think of the that out in a in a broader way, you know, it really um, provides a different level, like, you know, provides the table that we eat from, you know, it's a, it's a sense of, of stability and order. And again, a different notion of a platform. So I think it's a year that while things may be breaking down and breaking through, I actually want to say that I think that's going to happen earlier than later. Um, I think it's already happening. I can see with people coming in my office, um, they're having a lot of healing crises or a lot of not maybe surprise, maybe not, but just a coming to a head. And so I, I do feel like it's going to happen a little earlier. So we have the year to work on it, you know, and again, it's not that it's one year. I'm just think the year just really speaks of it um, in that way. So the full moon is on the 10th and it's a lunar eclipse and it's in cancer. The lunar is the invitation. So after we go through that sense of I need to sever, separate, let go of, then we say, well, what do we want to invite in that will have to do with a greater center, a greater sense of nurturance and nourishment. It's ruled by the moon. So how can we develop more emotional intelligence and get more comfortable with our intuitive knowing um, and really honoring that more? It's going into our sacred feminine and whatever that means for men, women, it doesn't have to have to do with a gender, but it has to do with an energy of what feels um, a source of life. When we talk about the mother, we're talking about divine source of life. And we're talking about something that is um, also as uh, a profoundly nurturing and um, uh, an ever powerful source of what is creative. So highly creative kind of energy when we talk about it from that perspective. And it's also, what do we know as our roots? What are the roots of who we are? What are the roots that we feel connected to? Um, it, you know, many times we find that we we move out of our own personal um, lineage roots because we don't really have a sense of uh, depth or sacredness or connection because of our grandparents or great grandparents perhaps having those roots cut off by immigrating or not being honored in those ways that are sacred to their natural ways. And so sometimes it's by studying with other lineage that have an unbroken connection or appreciating um, that we, it reawakens. So returning to a sense of what is beautiful about where my family comes from or where I came from, wherever it is, the city, the street that I used to walk on, um, how have I glossed over or diminished it? And where can I find beauty in it? Where can I return to the source of my beginnings and see it from a new light? I think would be very healing for all of us. So there's a lot of healing to be had as we move into this full moon. But remember as I said, that new moon um, that we have on the 25th, the seeds that we plant in it start to come forward in the full moon in 2020. So it's going to follow us into 2020. And because these are eclipses, it's got a lot more superpower to it. So it's going to still, the themes are going to keep rolling out throughout at least the year. So, and because it's a decade, you know, it has, it has a lot to it. 
So with that in mind, um, with this full moon, I think it's a real beautiful time to rededicate to ourselves and to self-acceptance and self-love and uh, a sense of regard for our inner life, our inner world, and what comforts us and what cares for us and how we comfort and how we care for. It's going to be a year of a lot of growth, a lot of challenge. I think we're going to see this as we continue to see structures collapse. You know, we've seen that even in Venice with the floods and all of these fires that are going on throughout the world and and uh, structures that are falling apart. It's it's a falling away of what has been. So in Capricorn, though, we are definitely looking at systems and we're looking at power bases and a shifting of power. So that's going to be um, here this year, and then it's going to really play out in the next few years. Thank you so much for all of this insight. And I wanted to touch on some of the recommendations you had around flower essences and stones that might be useful, especially as people are going to meet with family members for the holidays, sort of getting ready for the New Year celebration and supporting us through all these um, shifts with the eclipse and things like that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think I almost want to say do it. You know, as many of you have been listening to the podcast over the year, if you have little bottles of flower essences from the ones that we've used, I'd say, you know, use it as a retrospective and maybe look at which ones were most effective. Sometimes we'll find one is just our, our remedy and we really love it. So a lot, of, we heard from a lot of women when we did pink monkey flower. So that is a, a, such a wonderful remedy for our heart chakra and our sense of letting uh, a part of our hidden self come forth. So that one might be um, the chestnuts, particularly chestnut bud where we repeat old habits and patterns can be helpful. Um, I think that yarrow uh, as an essence. And there used to be a master yarrow formula, which isn't available, but in Flower Essence Society, the pink yarrow works with the protection of the emotional field. So if you're feeling like you can be an empath and pick up everybody's emotional stuff, then pink yarrow can be very effective. Golden yarrow is if you tend to bring more psychic kind of influences and you feel like you're picking up too much energy that way or you can just use them both together or regular yarrow formula is excellent for the energy field and it creates a nice shield around our auric energy so that we're um, feeling a little bit like we've got an extra protection um hematite is is uh connecting with capricorn can be really nice because it's got a magnetic quality to it so it helps us ground and because of the magnetic element it can help us with extraneous energies through our body in that sense of will calm them down a little bit. I think, um, you know, in that way, I would say because of all the energy shifts throughout the year and as we're culminating into the eclipse season, I would really encourage everybody to be very thoughtful about their utilization of alcohol. I know it's a time where it's a lot of partying and everything can feel like, oh, but it's a happy time. But just be aware that you've been bringing in more refined consciousness, and that is a vibration. And so I know I can get a little esoteric with this, but it lives in our body. And so if you're cleansing your body, if you're refining the toxic elements all year long in what you're working on in yourself, and then you start to introduce alcohol, which is a very, you know, it's kind of a toxic, heavy energy, uh, it, it can really, really, um, you can really feel it. So I would just say be thoughtful about that, especially because of being around a lot of people. And if you're feeling like there's, you know, keep checking in with yourself around that. So I think it's a lot of self-care, definitely baths, salt baths, or like we say, if you don't have a bathtub, you can just take a salt paste 
and salts and lavender and just like rub it like a salt scrub around your body or on your feet and it will also do the cleansing for you so I think that's a real a real plus as well so some of the things I think the teas that also can be herbal teas that work with that um, any teas that you want to bring up that you think would be helpful during this time for me right now it's mostly reminding my nervous system to calm down despite the sort of frenzy of like getting presents ready and holiday gatherings so it, the very simple herbs that I've been drinking are chamomile peppermint and lemon balm and those are found nearly everywhere and they are a reminder for me, especially in the evenings, to just settle down. It is the winter. It is time for rest. So I find those helpful. Those are great reminders. I, I actually take a lemon balm um, tincture every night, and it really settles my nervous system quite a bit. And that's easy to get at, at you know any store that you can get uh, remedies. So make sure, as I talked about, that, that from 21 to 25 of December, is actually kind of a sacred portal because we're going through that deep waning moon into the eclipse season. So a couple of themes um, that I just wanted to say, and I think you're going to probably post these on the Facebook page. So we'll post these questions and writing prompts on the Moonwise Sisterhood Facebook group. Yeah, so don't feel like you have to take dictation on all these and write them down really fast. This is where I want to say, remember, we really are moving into a new decade. So with that in mind, we want to say what themes take you know take time later and just say what stands out as major themes for 2019 one way to do that to refresh the memory is to to divide them into seasons um, what are the major themes that happened in the winter in the spring in the summer in the fall so sometimes when we do that we go oh yeah where was i then what was going on then and then it fills it in so I get amnesia very quickly and I go, I don't know what happened. And then I start to look at my calendar and I say, I cannot believe I'm not remembering this. This was so significant. So just, you know, do what you can do to jog your, your memory to remember these things. Um, and zone in also on the last couple months, especially from 1031 to 1120, because if we talked a lot about that, but that Mercury retrograde in Scorpio, that, that last retrograde, we all went through a lot because it was really bringing up a lot of shadow aspects from the subconscious and from elements of our underworld self that really started to move out and didn't even get full clarity on, I think, till recently. So just that's still, I think, a bit in play. Um, also think about growth areas. Growth areas can equal challenges and struggles. So where we grow the most can be where we've had the greatest struggles and challenges, where we've had healing crisis, all of those things. That's what yields transformation. We don't like, you know, we don't really move the dial much on things that are very easy. So what are our growth areas? Um, how would you look at them as lessons in the life classroom? So um, I just did a workshop around 2019 uh, and, um, a lot of people were like, sayonara 2019, not a good year. I cannot wait to get done with 2019. It's like, want to do a big fire. And it's just like, I, I completely understand, but don't run away before you leave. Uh, really own out of the, like, if you can, again, use, use your Plutonian energies to strip from the pain and the suffering and look at what did I learn? I don't want to learn that again. What did I learn? Even if it was really tough, what do I value about what I went through? What am I proud of myself? Even if it was merely I survived, that's not merely, that's a lot. I think it's been a year of resiliency for many, many people, and we need to own that. That's a badge that we get to claim. So I would look at that. Um, 
were there high points, blessings, achievements? Um, what did you bring your efforts that resulted to positive change or manifestation? What came like a miracle that was like, oh my God, this, this just happened. The doors opened. Somebody provided something. Something introduced me to someone. Um, it was so easy. It was so effortless. It was beautiful. Whatever that might be, what, what's that, what was that feel like? And you can also look at that from several ways. My inner world of self, my interactive world of relationship, my outer world of work, contribution, building. Um, so those arenas. What do you still need some clarity or understanding around that occurred this year? What feels murky? What feels confused? You don't have to figure it all out now, but it's nice to name it because you might get a lot of clarity that you can put the dots together on, um, and I think pretty shortly. Then the other thing I would say is now, if you take a breath, do it at a different time even, and think about the same prompts around 2009, because 2009 to 2019, I know what a lot of people are doing on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, a picture when you're 2009, you know, 209, a picture of 2019, um, that's the visual but we're looking at the underbelly, right? We're looking at inside in our whole life. So as you prepare to look into the new decade, what's come full circle? Inner, interactive, outer. Um, if you could have a conversation with your 2009 person and couldn't change a thing, what would you tell them? What understanding about where you are right now clarifies as you reflect on your growth and your life journey? What seed from that understanding will you plant into the new moon of, 2020, of 1225? So the seed of the understanding about the last 10 years, you want to take one of those and plant them into. You know, this reminds me very much of um, in the Tibetan traditions, in the wisdom traditions, and, and in many, actually, you would, the relic, or in this case, it's like the skull of a great master, Rinpoche, will be buried beneath the new, the stupa, for the or the wisdom place that will be be the house of of sacred teachings because it is the knowledge of what you've of, of of the collective teaching that then you use as the base for your next evolution. So just kind of think about that as well. Um, what needs to be released, separated, mental, emotional, situational? Um, it, that that this eclipse has the potential or power. Um, to help sever from so that you can begin the first decade with more strength. So what you're releasing from or what you're imbuing into in that way. And then remembering what beliefs or attitudes do you want to remember as you walk into the new decade? And which ones do you want to dismantle that are limiting your joy, your self-love, and your potential? And I use those words because we're talking so much about this work and growing, you know, building and the seriousness of life. But, you know, we want to dismantle the elements that make those things feel limiting, make those things seem like a struggle, um, but more to see that we can joyfully work we can have a great deal of self-love around our healing and our, our uh, what we're just doing and working and the potential of what we want to have for ourselves, that we need to dismantle the beliefs that don't let us also imbue that in to the qualities of what we're doing. And, um, and the final thing would be, if you had a title, like a book or a word to convey the overall theme of this year and then of um, 2020 of 2009, what would that be? Thank you so much, Susan. And now we'll give everyone a moment to settle in 
and get comfortable wherever you are, if you're able to, and let Susan guide us on a meditation to enter a space of inner vision as we go into this winter solstice, the holiday season, and approaching the new decade. We're just going to take a moment to take a couple of breaths to get comfortable in our inner world, to feel the relationship of whatever is holding you and caring for you beneath your body. So if you have a cushion you're sitting on or a chair or you're sitting directly on your floor, that you, as you're breathing, start to feel how it is holding you and caring for you and that having an awareness that beneath the floor or the cushion or the chair is Mother Earth. And so we honor that connection and we feel uh, how we're relaxing and allowing our root system and our connection to uh, the Earth as a source of creativity and love, how she's always there every moment. Whenever we get up in the morning and place our feet on the ground, the Earth is there that wherever we are, we are home. So as we tune into that earthy energy that Capricorn is inviting us into, to feel the platform beneath us, no matter what is going on, is fundamentally unshakable as our planetary home. And that as we breathe that into our bodies, that we are fundamentally unshakable in our ability to hold home for ourselves and mother for ourselves and nourishment and love. And so we instill that with our breath. So as we're continuing to breathe and we're allowing our eyes to and eyelids to close like curtains or any way that we would let the space, closing a door, just let the space become more contained, that we're breathing into our inner world. And whether outside it is daytime or nighttime. We allow ourselves to imagine as we're letting our breath deepen and slow in that inner silence and in that inner darkness of the self we begin to imagine that we're starting to feel called into a landscape outside of that inner space. So as if that inner world we're breathing into, we almost could imagine, and then we could imagine, and then we feel into, that we are sitting perhaps inside, whether it was a warm hut, a single cabin, something that is contained, cozy and warm, inside of an early evening of winter. And we put around us a beautiful warm wrap that kept us warm and shoes that were very warm or boots. And we opened up the door of this warm place and we stepped outside into the night. We could feel the crunchiness of a gentle snow beneath our feet and how much the snow lightens the landscape. And we begin to take a simple walk out into the early evening. And as we do, 
we notice that the stars are beginning to rise. We lift our eyes up and we notice that we cannot see the moon because it is the new moon, but we can feel the power of the moon because wherever the appearance is of light and dark, of hidden or visible, the moon is always whole and always there, just like ourselves. And so as we continue to walk and we can see our breath, so again, with this winter evening opening up and initiating the power of the north, it also allows us to see the invisible becoming visible. And as we walk a little bit, we find that the path leads us on to a bridge. And so just wondering, allowing the mind's imagination to move into the bridge, onto the bridge, breathing, connecting, noticing how the perspective changes once we're actually standing on the bridge as before of when we were beginning to walk on it. And we move to the middle. It's a small bridge. Perhaps it's over a very small area of a stream or a ripple of water that moves the waterways through on the landscape that we are. It's not frozen over yet because it's early winter. And as we're remarking and feeling into the energy of the landscape, we then begin to see some being walking towards us. And as they get closer, we can start to see that this is a version of us, a version of ourselves, and this version is a virgin as a version that reflects the time when we were in the year of 2009. And we notice what they look like, what clothes they're wearing. the differences and the similarities to this moment. And we stand on the bridge together. And we have an awareness that that part of us is also remarking on the similarities and changes of meeting their future. And as we're breathing into this, And we know and we understand as we get connected to one another that we have walked a journey together. And as we're breathing, feeling into the essential energy of the journey that it's taken to get here over these 10 years. And we may have already thought about what has transpired in those 10 years But we now feel the power of the journey, having this part of ourselves once again reunited with us. And they can feel with us how we have been been with them the whole time, how somehow we have been transmitting a connection. Keep finding me. Keep going in this direction. Keep dreaming in the dark. And so we take a couple of breaths honoring the journey 
knowing we couldn't change a thing or we wouldn't be who we are now. What we are inextricably bound to through the course of time. And we wonder together about our journey the next 10 years. And as we wonder, on the other side of the bridge, we see another version of, yes, ourself, walking towards us. It is the future self. Begin to imagine which future self. Is it a future self that feels comfortable in their own skin? having really put the effort into a manifestation of a dream, a quality of life that feels held in love, purpose. And a deeper understanding, a contribution that lasts the test of time. And this future self as it meets the current self and the past self. Let's this journey be blessed, but also reminds, instructs, and encourages you not to give up or you will not find them. They will not come into form to realize that the more you let your intuition guide you to that future self, that future self can only come into form if you do that work, that incremental, directional, step-by-step moving towards your intentions, our intentions, collectively and individually. So together, all three aspects of self, knowing that we are stepping out of time, knowing that time is a construct, merges into one, one soul, one breath, one heartbeat. And gently looking once again over the horizon Breathing in all that is potential in the dark, all that we feel grateful for. Blessing our lives, our journey, those we love and were loved by, all that we have. Feeling completely whole and full and gently taking several breaths with that fullness, with that sweetness, letting perhaps a word or a phrase or a symbol consolidate and breathe that into the center of our being, our heartbeat, our breath. And gently when it feels right, once again tuning in to our physical body the qualities of the room, the temperature, the light, the feeling states, 
And as we complete this meditation, knowing that you are wished the most beautiful blessing of this year. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey and wishing you the best. Thank you so much, Susan. And I'm wishing everyone a happy winter solstice, happy holidays, and a great beginning to the year 2020. And to you and to all of our listeners, just lots and lots of blessings and a beautiful entry into the winter. And I'm looking so forward to hearing from from you and uh, getting some feedback about what this has really uh, meant for you as we move through this time, how you've experienced it and what you've discovered. So may this be a beautiful closure and beginning um, to a wonderful new decade. Until next time, until 2020. Thank you for listening to the show. You can find Susan's work online at everydaymedicinewoman.com and at Susan Lipschitz on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. You can also leave a comment on the Moonwise Sisterhood Facebook group. If you're not in the group yet, just search Facebook for Moonwise Sisterhood and answer two quick questions to join. And if you haven't heard my recent Moonwise episode about reclaiming winter magic, I recommend giving it a listen. In the mini episode, I talk about creating meaningful seasonal rituals and the ancient and little heard story of Mother Christmas. Listen to that episode and other previous episodes at moontent.co or subscribe to the Moonwise podcast on iTunes. Our theme music is by Sophie Cooper from her album Rewilding, whose amazing work you can find at voicealchemy.com. See you next time. Whoa.